0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to Behind on Me Lines. I'm your host Alejandro Suniga from the Michigan Insider, Michigan.247sports.com. The Michigan football team is in the Rose Bowl in the college football playoff. And we are going to be previewing the Crimson Tide with my colleague and good friend Cody Goodwin, who covers them over for 24-7, our Alabama site, Bama247. We're releasing this episode a bit early for a couple reasons. Number one, well, they're really the same reason. It's about to be the Christmas holiday. I imagine everyone is doing some traveling, has some extra time, myself included, Uh, But number two is that right after Christmas, I am flying out to Pasadena and we will have plenty of coverage, myself, Zach Shaw, Sam Webb, boots on the ground in Los Angeles, in Pasadena, California. So excited about that, but there is a lot more coming on game week, so we are releasing this episode early. With that, we are going to go position group by position group to preview Alabama, give you a... Early heads up of what to expect from one of, let's face it, one of the greatest college football teams, one of the greatest programs of this era of the sport. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Cody. It's one of the biggest games in recent Michigan football history. It is the window of opportunity for Michigan that it has known it's had all season, is a potential national championship winning season. But the opponent and the venue, it's Alabama and the Rose Bowl. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be very, very exciting. And I've got one of my good friends, Cody Goodwin. We go way back. We have history just like this bowl game. He now covers
2: the Crimson Tide over for 24-7. Cody, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I am, one, excited to see you and collab with you on coverage of the teams that we've been covering, you know, this season. And you obviously been covering Michigan forever. Um, but then like, t- you know, too, obviously like the Rose Bowl, right? Like kind of what Harbaugh was saying, like it's the Rose Bowl, it's Michigan, it's Alabama, it's Roll Tide, it's Go Blue. Like this is going to be awesome. Like I am so excited for this game.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's uh, it's a dream. And and for for Michigan fans in particular, the Rose Bowl means so much. Uh, and, and like I said at the jump, you know, this is from the beginning of the season. Uh, Jim Harbaugh has said he has felt like this could be a national championship winning team. He feels like he's had the pieces there. And let's face it, Michigan the last couple of years has not performed well on this stage. Um, in 21, nobody expected it against that Georgia team, uh, but certainly last year. Um, so a lot on the line on New Year's Day in Pasadena. Let's dive into the opponent, Cody, starting with the Alabama offense. Uh, big picture. Listen, I haven't watched a ton of, I didn't watch a ton of Alabama live, uh, but what I did watch did not impress me because I think most everyone in the country saw that Texas game. Uh, a lot of people turned on the South Florida game when it was a lot closer than anyone expected. Uh, I didn't see the Georgia game live, granted, but everything I've I've seen since uh, and every stat I read, every story of yours that I read, it's it's an offense that's improved a lot throughout the year, right? So they come into this game. 19th best in scoring offense, 54th best in total offense. Again, a lot better in the back half. They give up a lot of sacks, 125th nationally. But on the other hand, probably the most explosive team that Michigan has faced. They are fourth in the country in pass plays of 40 plus yards. So big picture, Cody, give us your takeaways from this offense. I know it's a first year coordinator in Tommy Reese, but feels like it's finally clicking at the right time.
2: Yeah, there was uh there was a lot that was kind of going on with this offense at the beginning of the year, right? You hit on, you know, first year offensive coordinator with Tommy Reese, um, you know, first um, you know, brand new starting quarterback, right? They went from, you know, Jalen Hurts to Tua to Tagovailoa to Mac Jones to Bryce Young. All those guys are are in the NFL. And now you've got Jalen Milro here who um, you know, Katie, Texas native. Um, highly touted recruit just didn't have a ton of experience. Like very explosive player. Um, I think a lot of people may remember him playing Texas A&M last season, and you know he played fairly well, right? I think he you know scored three touchdowns. But he also turned the ball over three times, and that was really kind of what a lot of people were maybe nervous about. It's like that was kind of the one time they got to see. You know, the, the new guy, quote unquote, play coming into the season. So everybody was kind of like, you know, uh, like, what are you know, what are we going to get out of this guy? And then on top of that, like the offensive line issues, you know, they had to replace three starting offensive linemen and they did that with a lot of young guys, um, specifically, you know, they have a true freshman starting at left tackle. Um, And he struggled quite a bit throughout the beginning of the season. So a lot of those things kind of factored into, you know, kind of a slow start offensively for Alabama. And, you know, on top of that, too, like I think a lot of the national perception about Alabama is, you know, how many years in a row has Alabama started with another, you know, top five, top 10 opponent in week one, right, where they'll play a Clemson or they'll play a Miami or they'll play, you know, somebody And they'll just beat the brakes off of them in week one. And it's like, well, Alabama's good again. We don't have to really worry about watching these guys. Like that wasn't the case this year, right? Like they beat middle Tennessee state in week one, but then you mentioned it too week two against Texas. Like Texas came into Tuscaloosa and just bullied them. Like they beat Alabama like to death in the trenches, you know, 20 some pressures. I think they recorded four or five sacks that night. And then obviously Milrow had two interceptions that led to, you know, 10 points for Texas and, you know, 21 points in the fourth quarter alone by the Longhorns. Like that was just, you know, everything, everybody kind of saw that. And, you know, instantly it's, you know, Oh, like the dynasty might be dead and Texas is back. Right. Well, that kind of allowed Alabama to maybe fall into, you know, kind of the shadows a little bit, at least with the, you know, in the scheme of the greater like national college football picture and you know, yeah, I think a lot of people also tuned into week three against South Florida, and that was just atrocious football. Um, but since then, right, like they they reinstalled Milrow back at starting quarterback, and he has steadily gotten better each and every week. Um, you know, the defense, I feel like, has been very, very good all season. We'll talk about them probably in a minute, but that's, you know, that's a pretty big component of this year's team. But the offense, yeah, they've gotten better. It really has started with Milrow. He's got, you know, now he's got a full season under his belt. Um, He's a tremendous playmaker. Like, he throws a great deep ball, but he's also – he's very fast. Like, he's – there's a running component to his game that I think early in the season Alabama didn't really tap into or they didn't really coach him to do a lot. Um, Since the bye week, they had their bye at the end of October. So, they come back, you know, first weekend in November against LSU. Um, And that's where I think really the entire Alabama offense has come together. Milrow, that was when, you know, Alabama versus LSU, Milrow versus Jaden Daniels, who ultimately went on to win the Heisman. You know, Milrow went shot for shot with him. You know, he finished with like four rushing touchdowns the next week against Kentucky. He had six total touchdowns, three passing, three rushing, Um, you know, Milrow's ability to run the ball and really his willingness to take off from the pocket and run the ball has really opened up a lot of things for this offense. They've been, you know, north of 450 yards per game over the last, you know, five or six weeks um Milrow has crucially he has not really turned the ball over you know I think maybe just one turnover the last five or six games um you know and that's really what has led to you know they've been winning games up to that point but really since the bye week um the offense has transformed into a unit that you know they can win because of not just be you know that you can win with right like that old. you know can you win with it or can can it be the reason you win the offense is really the reason that this team is starting to win games and um, it's been really kind of fun to watch the the transformation and the growth over the last few weeks.
1: Yeah. I've long been a proponent that quarterback level in the big 10 was not fantastic this year. Um, Hot take. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when listen, not, not that these guys aren't good or aren't going to be good at some point in their careers, but this year in this situation, I was just not impressed with the level of quarterback play. So then when Michigan is facing a guy like Jalen Milroe that Poses questions, right? And you, you look at the SP plus stats or like all the defensive stats, and you see all these Big Ten teams at the top. And it's not that I don't think that Penn State and Ohio State and Michigan have very good defenses. It's that how much of that is because of the offenses, because of the quarterbacks you've played this year. So Jalen Milro, you, you just touched on him extensively, but he is the best dual threat quarterback that Michigan has faced this year. Potentially the best quarterback at this point in his career. That Michigan has faced this year. So the, you've mentioned a lot of the areas in which he's improved. Where are the areas that he still struggles? I know he's coming back next year. I know he's got NFL talent, um, but not fully polished yet. So what are the areas that maybe Michigan could exploit there?
2: Yeah, I think w- what will be really interesting is like, you know, Jalen Milrow's playmaking ability um, versus like Michigan's discipline on defense, right? Like, because Milrow one of the things that's really opened up for him is that, you know, he uses his legs, but like he's really over the last few weeks, really understood like how his legs can manipulate opposing defenses. Like when he leaves the pocket, um, you know, how do defenses react? And then what windows open up because of those reactions? Um, some of the things he maybe still struggles with is, you know, when he leaves the pocket, he sometimes he either leaves too early or too late. So sometimes he'll just walk into sacks or tackles for loss um you know sometimes he holds the ball a little too long um so windows that might be open close by the time he finally sees them um progression that the speed at which he goes through his progressions can sometimes you know depending on you know what maybe Michigan will show defensively you know like if they show man and drop into zone that might confuse him a little bit or vice versa right they show zone drop into man um you know so i mean those are a few things that i think michigan can, can exploit but you know th- the idea of like milro as a playmaker Michigan's defense, so far as I can tell, like maybe hasn't faced the best offenses, but they're a team that really doesn't make mistakes. Right. Like when they hit you, they bring you to the ground. Um, they're very rarely out of position. Like, they're, I mean, they're one of the best defenses in the Big Ten, a conference that is full of really, really good disciplined defenses. And so, you know, how can they stay disciplined and, you know, keep, you know, keep, keep Milrow in the pocket, or just you know make sure that they flush him out to you know maybe his left side as opposed to his right side because he's a right hand quarterback. Um, can they play sticky man on the back end so that maybe he doesn't want to throw to the window that might be open? Like th- I think that's really going to be interesting. You know, can they can they kind of limit the big play factor that Milroe brings to Alabama's offense and. You know, for the most part this season, they have, again, like you mentioned, they haven't played a quarterback quite like Jalen Milrow, but that dynamic of can Milrow make plays versus, you know, can Michigan just stay disciplined defensively? That's That to me is going to be a really interesting battle to watch when Alabama has the football.
1: And, and I think it's important to mention, as we're both talking about the state of the Big Ten, that, that Cody, you lived in Iowa for quite some time before coming down to Tuscaloosa. You've seen a lot of Big Ten football and a lot of Iowa offensive football. Um, so I just want to throw that into the conversation. We we've been talking about the ground game, uh, so it's important to note at this point that that the Bama running back, uh, Jace McClellan, I know he has a foot injury, uh, and it st- sounds like he's still TBD for what his status might be at least in the next couple weeks as he's working his way back. Um, if he's not going to go, I, I think you maybe expect more Milrow factoring in the ground game. Not that he hasn't already, uh, of course, he's got. Um, 10 plus carries in seven different games. He has 12 rushing touchdowns this year. Uh, Cody, we, we've talked about the sacks and, and sacks in large part are a quarterback stat, right? And if you've got a, you know, a first year starter who holds the ball a bit too long, that's not necessarily on your offensive line. Uh, but you mentioned the struggles in the trenches against Texas. Uh, you see that it's a rush offense that, you know, it's pretty middling ranking 48th nationally in rush offense 98th nationally in tackles for loss allowed. I feel like this is an area where Michigan prides itself, particularly on the interior of its defensive line. It could be an area that is A, an X factor, but B, that Michigan feels like it has an advantage. What what are the struggles on the offensive line
2: and how have they come together to to improve of late? Yeah, the struggles were kind of everywhere at the beginning of the season. I think most notably a lot of the most of the struggles, I think, were at left tackle. They've got a true freshman there, Caden Proctor, Um, you know, five star talent. Very, very good. He's gotten better as the season went on. But earlier in the season, like he just he just, you know, you're throwing and a, a very young true freshman at that. Like he turned 18 in June um, into, you know, SEC play, right. Week two, you got Texas, um, you know, South Florida in week three did a really good job of just scheming up speed guys to, you know, get around Proctor. Cause he, I mean, he's a big guy, seven 360 Um, he's very strong. The moment he gets his hands on you, he's probably going to win the rep, but a lot of teams throughout the early portion of the season found out that like, Oh, if we just run around him, we'll win the rep. And so that kind of caused a lot of issues. Um, you know, and then on top of that, I know I hit on this before, like, a lot they had three new starters at on the offensive line like they returned uh center Seth McLaughlin who has had various struggles this season but you know that's that's a fifth year senior that that's a guy that Alabama trusts quite a bit and then JC Latham the All-American at right tackle um everybody else is kind of new right so offensive line like you kind of have to gel you got to you know figure out communication you got to figure out what works what doesn't where does the guy next to you step on certain snaps on certain plays um, and they've gotten better at that. And I've, a lot of that is the development and improvement of Caden Proctor at left tackle. He's played very, very good football over the last five games, but I mean, really, you know, at, at right guard, they, they put in a, a guy named Jaden Roberts, who's a sophomore. He's been very, very good. He's another strong guy on the interior. Um, he's been, they put him in, I believe in the Texas A&M game, or maybe it was after the Texas A&M game. And he's been very, very good there. Tyler Booker's all sec left guard um, has been in, uh, instrumental to, I think Caden Proctor's development. So you know, it just, it kind of took time. Um, you know, it's still not a perfect unit. Um, you know, I, I think I, every other person that I talk to that covers a team that Alabama plays throughout the season, it's like, look, like your team's probably going to get a sack or two, like maybe multiple, um, depending on where, you know, you're able to force Milrow in the pocket. But, um, you know, and I think that's another thing that's helped them too, like Jalen Milrow's pocket awareness, um, you know, the slider has gone from about 60 to about 75 or 80 on his best game. So like he kind of understands when to step up in the pocket a little bit more, um, you know, when to maybe trust the pocket a little bit more, or maybe when to escape left or right. So it's a combination of things. I mean, the, the offensive line definitely struggled through the first few weeks. They've gotten better. They're still not a great unit. Um, they're not going to go win the Joe Moore Award um but they they're a unit that has become good enough for what Alabama needs them to be um you know clearly they're they're here in the college football playoff right so it's uh we'll we'll see what happens but i yeah michigan Michigan will record a sack or two in this game um you know, and if they're able to kind of scheme up some things properly, you know a couple could be three or four or five too,
1: and finally, let's turn our attention to to the men outside uh the skill position the the receivers, the tight ends um listen, it's Alabama, right? You, you know, it's like when you're facing Ohio state, you know, that they're going to have five-star receivers and an NFL pipeline. And it feels similar uh, with what Bama brings year in and year out Uh, this year. It's a receiver core led by Jermaine Burton, Isaiah bond um, those two in particular Uh, and, and Burton he's averaging 22 yards per reception, which really showcases that deep threat uh, ability and his connection with Jalen Milrow, particularly of late, uh, this unit, I mean, it's, it's blue chip guys and it's blue chip guys who are playing like blue chip guys. How do you slow them down? Is it more just, you got to get to Milrow and make a, make mistakes, or is there something
2: that's worked, uh, to, you know, to, to limit them? Um, they, when teams play zone, they have a little bit more success because they kind of keep everybody in front of them. Um, when they play man, um, you know, Jermaine Burton's a guy that, you know, he can win his one-on-ones right off the line of scrimmage and he's got enough speed to get downfield. Isaiah bond is, you know, maybe a little bit smaller, um, of a receiver, probably more of a slot guy, but he's a guy that can really kind of do anything. He can burn you on the outside. Um, a lot of his production over the last few weeks has actually come on just crossing underneath routes kind of as, you know, a safety valve. Um, you know, but then I would argue that a couple of guys that have maybe opened up a lot of other things for the offense, Amari Black, who's a tight end. Um, he's kind of more of a big body receiver, but they play him at tight end. They can line him up in line, in the slot, outside. Um, you know, he's a, he, he's, he's a receiving mismatch. And so he's a guy that I think a lot of defenses key in on, which maybe open up some of those upper, other opportunities for guys like Bond and Burton. But, um, you know, these guys are fast. They get down the field. They're, they're not quite, you know it's not a Calvin Ridley or a Julio Jones or a Jamison Williams or a, a Devonta Smith, but these are really productive receivers. And um, you know, as, as, as Milrow has continued to develop, you know, not just as a deep ball passer, but as just, you know, a guy who can go through a handful of reads before he decides to take off and run. Um, you know, the chemistry has continued to build up. You know, I think Isaiah bond led the team in targets this year. He obviously leads the team in receptions. Um, Jermaine Burton's kind of that deep threat guy. You know, he's the guy that'll tell Milrow in the huddle, like, Hey, I'm running down the field, just chuck it up and let me go make a play, right? And and we've seen that in a a handful of different games this season, so, um, you know, it's, I don't know that there's, like, the top-heavy, you know, super blue-chip NFL prospect um, among this Alabama receiving core, but they got a lot of guys who can do a lot of different things, Um, and I think just, you know, kind of overall, they kind of spread the talent out a little bit, and, um, you know, it's not the most prolific passing offense, but it's a very effective passing offense, and and it's a, a passing offense that can absolutely... Um, you know, they, they can make you pay if you don't defend them properly.
1: Yeah. It, it listen, when I watched Ohio state this year, um, and, and anyone who watched Ohio state realized it was a little bit more one-dimensional because like a drew aller, like they didn't have a quarterback who could run, um, quite as well as, as most honestly, and, and certainly nowhere near, uh, Jalen Milrose. So when you combine deep threat receivers, talented receivers, uh, a gelling offensive line, Uh, plus a quarterback who can hurt you in a lot of ways. Um, That's an offense that's tough to stop. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, come back and talk about the Alabama defense.
0: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: And we're back, folks, on the Michigan Insider, Michigan.247sports.com, going behind enemy lines with Cody Goodwin, who covers Alabama over for 24-7. We just finished talking about Jalen Milroe and the talented offense. Let's flip our attention now to equally talented, maybe even more talented, quite honestly. Uh, the Crimson Tide defense, uh, led by defensive coordinator Kevin Seal. They enter the Rose Bowl as the 16th ranked scoring defense in the country. Uh, Ninth in sacks, they are a top 20 unit in preventing plays of 10 or more yards. Most recently, shutting down the Georgia rushing attack. This, like any unit on Alabama, is loaded with NFL talent. So Cody, as the offense struggled, particularly early in the season, it was the defense that put Alabama in position to be where they are right now. This is a unit that's been very good, if not elite from the jump,
2: big picture takeaways about this Alabama defense. It's a championship caliber defense, man. I've, I've been convinced of that since, you know, week four, when they, when they shut down our very, very good Ole Miss offense, um, you know, that, I mean, that Ole Miss offense finished like top 10 in scoring top 10 in, in total offense, um, you know, and they held them to, you know, jut like 301 yards total for the game. And I think like 10 total points, like it was it was a masterclass performance and that was kind of when we were like okay like this is this is a very good unit and they're very good at every single level like they've got fast linebackers in the middle they apply an insane amount of pressure off the edge, Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell. Um, they have a very good defensive line that is both good against the run and they can get pressure up the middle. And then on the back end, I mean, you've got two All-American corners. You have a true freshman, Safety and Caleb Downs, who's a superstar. And you've got a lot of other pieces in the secondary that can help in with run support, that can help with coverage on the back end. Um, there's really not a glaring weakness on this defense. And you know, statistically speaking, it's not going to be you know, on paper, as good as, you know, your Michigan's, your Ohio State's, your Iowa's, your Penn State's. Um, But it's a battle-tested unit, man. They have played a lot of the nation's best offenses, and they have done very, very well against those offenses. And it starts, I think, you know, for as good as they are in the secondary, I really think it starts a lot with, you know, the ability to stop the run up front. They did it against Georgia. They did it against, um, you know, Ole Miss. They did it against, you know, they played a lot of the sec's better running backs and held the vast majority of them to well below their in season averages. Um, you know, I think the only person they weren't able to really stop this year was, um, you know, Ad Mitchell from Texas in the fourth quarter. And then, you know, LSU's Jane Daniels, because nobody was able to stop that guy this year. So, um, it's a really good unit, man. It is, it, they're battle tested. They're tough. They apply pressure. They can stop the run. They can stop the pass. Like there's, just, there's not a glaring weakness. And, uh, uh, it's it it'll be it'll be a different defense than maybe what Michigan has seen over the course of the year, but um, there's a lot of talent on that side of the ball too. So that'll be that'll absolutely be a challenge. We'll start with the men up front uh, on on that defense.
1: Uh, as I mentioned, Alabama comes in with the 31st ranked rush defense, uh, but they're top 10 in sacks and and they're top 10 in sacks in ways that Michigan has struggled this year. Uh, anyone who watched the Penn State game and 32 straight run run plays to end it. Uh, knows that Michigan did that, at least in part, because they really struggled with the NFL caliber, the first round draft pick caliber edges that Penn State has. And here comes Alabama with Chris Braswell and Dallas Turner, a couple of potential, you know, day one draft picks uh, in that edge room. So, So this defensive line and those outside linebackers or edges or defensive ends, whatever you want to call them, um, obviously very talented. It seems like the, the edge is where like that that's where the most danger lies. Right. And And for a Michigan team that likes to run between the tackles, is that an area where is Alabama weaker between the tackles or, or is it just the case of, listen, these guys on the edge are just so
2: talented. That's where the headlines are. They, I mean, they're, they're good everywhere across the the D line. I mean, you start, when you talk about Alabama's defense, you obviously start with Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell. Those, those are the freaks. They're the, they're the outside linebackers, right? Alabama runs a three, four defense and they, they, they apply a lot of pressure. Um, and those guys are talented enough that, you know, if, if Turner or Braswell needs to drop out and be that third linebacker, um, the other one can put the hand in the dirt and kind of be that defensive end or, you know, maybe true edge um, in what would traditionally be a four, three defense. Right. So, I mean, these guys can rush the passer, they can stop the run, they they can set the edge, um, you know, they're powerful enough to take on, you know, the 320, 330 pound offensive tackle and win their fair share of reps. So, I mean, it starts there, but also, you know, on the inside, you've got, you know, Justin Aboigbe, who's a fifth year senior. He's been tremendous this year, both against the run and rushing the passer. I think the biggest revelation for Alabama's defense this season has big been, has been a big Tim in the third. Um, You know, in the middle of the defense, he plays nose tackle. He was kind of a a fall camp surprise that has really turned into an exceptional, um, you know, interior defender. He's got, you know, 20 pressures total this season. um, And he's really he's got a nose for, you know, hitting like making contact in the middle of the defense and really doing a good job of stopping the run. So, um, you know, I think, you know, and from there. You know, Alabama's defensive line rotation, like there's a lot of guys that they play over the course of the game, you know. So, I mean, I think you've got like four starting caliber defensive linemen. So you're going to have a couple that fall into that second tier rotation, but they're still going to get 20, 30, 40 snaps a game sometimes, depending on, you know, what Michigan ultimately do. They've got a lot of young guys that haven't played a lot of snaps over the course of the season that have been just as effective in the opportunities that they've gotten. So, you know, that rotation is going to be fresh. Um, you know, and especially after a month off, right. Everybody's going to get healed up and healthy for this game, but there's just, they got a lot of dudes that can do a lot of stuff. Um, they can apply pressure. I think one of the really, you know, what made them so effective against Georgia, I think was that, you know, they, they, they were able to stop the run and then they were able to only get pressure with four guys. So when Georgia had to drop back and pass, Alabama was able to get to him and kind of crunch the pocket or at least get him off the throwing platform. Um, while only rushing four defenders, that allowed obviously to drop seven in the back. They were able to do some damage against Bowers and uh, Lad McConkey and kind of limit the big play ability that Georgia was known for this year. So, it's a versatile defense. They're smart enough to really kind of adjust things on the fly. And um, but yeah, I mean it really starts up front their ability to stop the run and and their ability to you know really rotate a lot of guys in without really. Um you know they they don't there's not really a drop off when it's you know the the second or third line um you know so to speak when you know when they're on the field so they've they've got a lot of talented dudes, but they got a lot of depth behind them as well, Speaking of talented dudes, uh
1: the secondary and that's uh names to know that there, there are a lot of them uh kool-aid McKinstry uh, I saw a report a couple days ago that uh he's out of concussion protocol uh and, and is back practicing for Alabama, so it seems. Very likely, if not certain, barring anything ridiculous, that he'll be playing uh, in the Rose Bowl. Uh, you wrote a fantastic story that I recommend people check out over at 24-7 on Caleb Downs. You mentioned him earlier. He's excellent, you know, true freshman safety uh, who, who's been playing and playing at a very, very high level. Uh, and then you've got another NFL caliber cornerback uh, in and Arnold who's playing himself into, you know, again, day one potential first round NFL draft pick. It seems like there's no weaknesses, right? But <laughs> teams have been able to move the ball. Michigan will try to move the ball. I, I think Michigan and Georgia have similar uh you know similar traits in, in the sense that you know Colston Loveland, AJ Barnard, like neither of them is Brock Bowers, of course, but they're two very talented tight ends who can throughout the year, uh, they've been mismatches on linebackers. Michigan has a running back in Donovan Edwards, who again hasn't been used a ton. But if you put them one-on-one with the safety or a linebacker that has, you know, that is often advantage Michigan, are there areas where where you feel like Michigan could attack this linebacker group, the secondary, or, you know, is it going to be, is it going to be tough sledding all, all afternoon?
2: Yeah, I think, well, you know, I, Michigan needs to stay ahead of the sticks for one, right? So, I mean, if they, if they get into true drop back passing situations, that's where I think Alabama is probably going to eat them alive. Um what Michigan should try to do, and I'm not sure if this is something that just personnel wise they can do, but I, you know, these guys are all smart at this level. They're going to study the film and and do what they can. Um, where Alabama maybe has struggled a little bit defensively is you know Auburn and Texas specifically, and even early in that Georgia game, a lot of motion based stuff matchups um, really gives Alabama fits. So Auburn was able to run for 200 plus yards on them. They were doing a lot of motion based stuff to kind of open up holes for you know Robbie Ashford at quarterback. Um, both the running backs, I thought, had a really good game. Um, in the case of Texas, they used a lot of motion based matchups to create um, the matchups that they wanted in the passing game, which allowed, you know, a lot of those deep shots down the field. So can Michigan take advantage of that? Can they put some guys in motion, kind of window dress some stuff, maybe confuse the linebackers, the secondary, the safeties They maybe come down and run support? If they're able to do that, I think that'll open up some run lanes for guys like Brett Blake Corum. I think that'll open up some matchups for a guy like Donovan Edwards, um, you know, maybe in the passing game, you know, get the guy the ball in space, have him one on one against a linebacker or safety and let him do his thing. Um, you know, and it might also help out in, in the passing game, too, if they're able to kind of create some motion based matchups. Um, you know, that's where I think Michigan could exploit Alabama a little bit, if only because that's really the main thing this Alabama defense has struggled with. I'm not sure if Michigan, I, I'm not sure if that's something that they have done a lot of, I mean, in the few games that I've watched with Michigan, um, that they, they do remind me a little bit of Georgia, that they are a lot more power run. Um, you know, it's more of, you know, they use that to set up the play action. Um, I really like Donovan Edwards. I think he's a, you know, that's a guy that probably needs to have a big game. If this Michigan offense wants to keep moving the ball, um, you know, but yeah, I mean, if they're if Michigan is just going to run up the middle and then drop back and pass, it may be a long day for that offense, but they're able to kind of mix some things in, um, you know, try and get their guys the ball in space. I think that's where they could find a little bit of success against this Alabama defense. And um, you know, once they start going back and forth like that, I think that that chess match specifically is where the fun could be had in this game. Yeah. And I think it'll be very important for Michigan,
1: as it has been in in basically every big game since he's played, is JJ McCarthy's legs. Um, I know Alabama has struggled at times uh, with containing mobile quarterbacks. Um, I Auburn certainly doesn't have the most mobile quarterback in the planet there, but that was a big part of that game. Right. And a big part of the reason why Auburn was able to move the ball, keep that game, not just close, but you know, 99% of the way to winning it, <laughs> which is ridiculous uh, to think about <laughs> how this season could have ended differently. If, if a single play goes a different direction, Uh, But JJ McCarthy comes in hopefully healthy. If you're a Michigan fan, he's been banged up this back half of the season, Um, but his legs, which we didn't see a whole lot against Penn state because he got banged up that game. Didn't see it a whole lot. uh, Certainly against Maryland or against Ohio state. That that is an element of the offense that Michigan I believe has to incorporate a little bit more. Cody can't wrap up without talking special teams as, as a guy who, Covered Iowa for quite a bit in your past. Um, <laughs> listen, there, there's been the at least there was for a while, kind of the reputation of what a Alabama kicker looks like, and it always seemed you know like like the porthole on the death Death Star, right? Um, not so much this year. Uh, Bama comes in twenty for twenty three on field goals this year, uh, including three for three on kicks of fifty plus yards. Uh, so no big concerns there. Punts are netting forty two yards on average, which seems fine uh and then caleb downs uh i I know we've talked about him a a good bit but he had a nice looking punt return touchdown against chattanooga which um is chattanooga uh but yeah he did come into the role more recently and much like a samaj morgan at michigan is a guy who could be a game breaker anytime he has the ball in his hands uh even if it
2: is a punt return uh any other comments about special teams I think this is where this is another area that maybe Michigan could take advantage of. Not that Alabama's maybe been bad in, you know, punt coverage situations, but, um, you know, some of the games that they have been able to, you know, that that have gotten maybe a little trickier, like, you know, Texas had a nice punt return in their game. Um, Georgia obviously had a big punt return in the SEC championship game that kind of sparked their offense after, um, you know, it had stalled for the better part of the game. Um, you know, I know Auburn had um you know a, a special t- they had a good special teams play earlier in the second half, but then they obviously had the big punt return gaff um, that ultimately led to you know the fourth and thirty one play. So I mean this I mean that special teams it's you know that that's where the hidden yardage comes in from and I think that's you know if if Michigan can take advantage of that um I think they can set themselves up with maybe better field position if they want to try and play that game. Um, you know but then on on the other on the other side, you know I think that's that's also something that Alabama is going to try to look to exploit. Um, you know, Caleb Downs has kind of overtaken Kool-Aid as the primary punt returner in recent weeks. Um, And so he's just, you know, he's a guy that can, he he can really catch the ball. Kool-Aid, his biggest struggle, I mean, he was earning All-American nods last season for his punt return abilities. Um, This year, just kind of more between the ears thing. And and Caleb Downs has been playing very, very well. And just, you know, hey, I can come in and catch the ball. And um, he's dangerous enough with the ball in his hands that if he finds a crease, it it could be, um, you know, it could turn into a big play for Alabama. So um, yeah, I think, you know, there, there's opportunity there, I think, for Michigan to take advantage, um, you know, in punt return game. Um, so that's, you know, that's another challenge that Alabama's going to have to account for is just making sure that they keep those returners in front of them and, you know, not allow Michigan to get good field position because that's, you know, similar to the defense, the offense for Michigan plays really efficiently. And so if you give them a shorter field, um, you know, that's obviously going to just put more pressure on the defense and and you can't have that in a game like this. Cody Godin covers Alabama
1: over at Bama 24 seven Cody. Thank you so much for joining the show. Uh, appreciate all the insight on the crimson tide. Can't wait to see out in Pasadena. It's, it's going to be a blast. This, these are the games that you've always wanted to cover. I imagine I've always wanted to cover um, a dream come true to go to the Rose bowl and to have a Rose bowl game like this uh, before the big 10 changes before college football changes, uh, to be at the Rose Bowl, uh, maybe the last true Rose Bowl, I guess, if, if, you, if you consider an SEC Big Ten matchup a true Rose Bowl. I'll see you out there in Pasadena.
2: It'll be fun, man. I appreciate you having me on. I'm looking forward to this game between two of the most legendary brands in college <laughs> sports, right? Like the Block M, the Script A at the Rose Bowl. It's going to be awesome, man. The mountains in the background, and uh, hopefully we get a damn good football game to bring in the new year.
1: And that'll do it for this week's episode of Behind Enemy Lines. If you have listened to this point, thank you. And if you have listened to this point, you are probably very interested in this football game, so make sure you check out the Michigan Insider, michigan.247sports.com. We have so much more coverage as I record this from our pre-game week conversations with staff and with players in Ann Arbor. Of course, we have National Signing Day coverage from the week that was. And like I mentioned, we will all be on the ground in Pasadena in the Los Angeles area for game week for all the festivities that are going to lead up to one of the biggest football games of the season, potentially one of the biggest football games in Michigan's program history. I I've said every game week that I'm excited because we get 12 of these a year, 13 if you're lucky, maybe 14 or 15. This year for the Michigan Wolverines, but there's something special about the Rose Bowl, and I say that not even knowing what it is because I have never been to the Rose Bowl before. I've never been to Los Angeles before, uh, so to say I'm excited is an understatement. This feels incredibly special, and special in in a lot of different ways. So thank you for listening, thank you for helping make this possible, and I hope to see you on the ground there at the Rose Bowl.